Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of currently streaming horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews may include mild spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. Today's review is of Kirian Foy's haunting film Eli, which is currently streaming on Netflix. A small boy named Eli is receiving treatment at a private hospital for his rare autoimmune disorder, though the halls of the hospital soon reveal their haunting past to him. And to say a few life-saving Hail Marys with me is returning friend of the show, Berto. How's it going, man? What's happening? I'm excited to talk about Eli with you today. Yeah. Um, this is a film that you and I kind of have opposite opinions of in terms of like you enjoyed the beginning of the film and your interest in it kind of waned closer to the ending, mm-hmm. whereas I'm the opposite. I thought that the beginning of the film was the weakest portion of it. And for me, at least, it got better and better up until the conclusion. So I'm excited to kind of contrast our slightly differing opinions about it. But uh, but while we had differing opinions on it, uh, I'm curious to hear what you kind of thought of it overall. Um, I enjoyed it. Overall, I thought it was pretty good. Um, like, I, like you said, I, I, was, I enjoyed the beginning part. It was, to me, it seemed more of a scarier movie. And near the end, it got like to a supernatural point where it's like, well, what is his issue and what does he have? Like, I don't I wasn't sure what like does he have superpowers? Does he possess? I just wasn't sure about that. But overall, I enjoyed it. It was pretty good. Yeah, I think for a Netflix movie, this is one of those movies that I would I would say it's very kind of introductory to horror. You know what I mean? There, yeah. It doesn't kind of stray off the beaten path from uh, a lot of kind of traditional haunting movies in that you take a little kid, you put him in a creepy environment, you have a bunch of jump scares and things like that. But um, I think part of what was so difficult for me to get behind early on is it is a little too safe i found in terms of kind of the over-reliance on a lot of those sort of cliches uh and things like that but i think the more unique it gets towards the ending and we'll get into the twist later uh it it capitalizes on some really interesting ideas and cool ideas that they're able to execute on in a uh frightening matter it's just that for me i was a little taken aback by how long it takes to get there right because I, for me, the last 15 minutes of that movie, I think, are the best parts of it. And yet when I think about, oh, the last 15 minutes, it's able to do all these cool, neat ideas. It's just unfortunate that they didn't capitalize on the other three-fourths of the film where, for me, I thought that it was played much more safe. But uh, what did you think of the kind of overall framework of the movie? Uh, did you think it was a concept that they executed on well? Because they kind of tackles this family dynamic, which we've seen before, but then there's this new uh plot original idea of him having this autoimmune disorder yeah i i kind of enjoyed it like you know i mean it is pretty original as in like in the sense that it's a family and the kid has some sort of problem and you know they try to fix it um but i think or at least for me this is the first time you see like where the kid he has like an immune system where it's like the air and like the air and everything that's floating in the air kind of affects his body and it kind of breaks out. He breaks out and he loses shorts of breath. It's kind of like an allergy, which it kind of like to me, it raised a, a couple of questions. Like even in the beginning when it's like you, he wakes up from this dream and he's in this bubble and it's like, well, I was thinking to myself, I was like, well, he's, he's he can be allergic to the air. Cause there's definitely air in there. And I wonder if he might be allergic to the dust, like the particles in the air or something. And I was kind of like, it was kind of like a back and forth trying to really figure out what was the, what's the, his actual allergy or what is he that really affects him. But um, 
which I, I don't know, throughout the movie, they don't really explain it. He just kind of like, he's allergic to the air, natural air, I guess. Uh, maybe the pollen or something. I don't know. But overall, though, I thought it was, um, it, it was good. I, I like, I like the fact that it was, it was, it, it kind of like takes them, instead of being them stuck in their house, they kind of get brought into a, a building where it's like, it looks abandoned and kind of creepy, but in, at the same time, very modern with the security like very modern in the inside. And I really enjoyed it because it kind of sets the family and, and the main characters in this completely different environment where they have to adjust to it. And you can tell like even throughout the whole movie, they don't never really get to adjust, um, which overall I thought kind of helped the movie um, kind of give it more of a freakier, like, because they're not aware of what what is living in the house, what's in this building, and for me, I I enjoy that part of it. Yeah, I think that that is one of the strengths of the film. Is definitely this uh, old, decrepit-looking, we'll call it like an estate from the outside. But then, as soon as you get to the front door, you realize, oh, this is actually a state-of-the-art medical facility. Yeah. And the interior, while it has a lot of the same kind of normal structure that you'd expect, they have these massive kind of glass barriers that um, block off certain aspects of the facility. And then where the actual medical facility part is, they have these kind of -of state-of-the-art doors that are like airtight and vacuum sealed the whole home. So that way, none of the different uh, qualities of the air that make him sick that that he is supposedly allergic to uh, interfere with his uh, kind of progress and whatnot. So I do think that that is interesting. It's nice to have this kind of secluded medical facility, uh, new setting. It's just that I kind of wish that they had done a little bit more than that. Mm. I wish that they had kind of explored the house a little bit more because for the most part, like it takes place in his bedroom and it takes place in the place where he's actually getting the medical treatment that is supposedly there to save his life. But again, I did prefer this more unique setting to a kind of just traditional haunted house or like it kind of, I would say like there's a lot of parallels to movies kind of like Insidious or something like that, where it's very much about kind of like this house that they're in is haunted and it's because they moved into the wrong house or something like that. But in terms of this, there's just so much more potential. And we learn later on kind of the history of the house, of this new medical facility rather. Um, And I just wish that they'd kind of capitalized and explored on that house in a few more unique ways. Um, But in terms of like the kid and his... Uh, autoimmune disorder, I think that that was an interesting angle to take again, because like we've seen before, there's kids that have different sort of medical conditions that complicate the family dynamic. And it really, I mean, it makes them ample opportunity for like demons or a haunting to like specifically target that family because they're already struggling. They're dealing with hardship constantly. Um, But it was interesting to see a kid that literally can't be outside. Like if he breaks that 24-7 kind of like bubble boy quarantine. We see in the first five minutes of the movie what really happens to him. Um, And since the majority of the film revolves around Eli um, and child actors can kind of be hit or miss sometimes, what did you think of uh, Charlie Shotwell's performance? Um, I think think he did a great job. I I enjoyed, I thought for a kid actor, he did pretty good. I mean, he sold me on like, even the scenes where he kind of, he gets scared and like he really tries to convince their parents that this place is not right. Like he really sold me in his acting um, to like, he like really, like he knew there's something wrong and he wasn't feeling safe. And like he, 
his character just was kind of almost outsmarting the people like the old the older uh, adults are like he was asking all these questions that the parents weren't asking and the nurse was like uh what like she's trying to like play like she side st- sidesteps a lot yeah yeah so it's like the kids the kid is like i don't know i thought his performance was great um overall like to be for him to be the lead role i think he he did pretty great job at that he really sold me on his role and and the that he was really suffering and you can tell that just by his performance his facial expressions and all that and i'm sure like the fact that when he breaks out it's all cgi'd so i think that has a lot like the fact that he was able to convince me in that you know he wasn't really feeling pain because everything's cgi so it's like his performance overall was great i was surprised by how emotionally affecting his character is because again seeing a kid suffering from a medical issue is not it's not an original concept for a horror movie we've seen that in hundreds or if not thousands of horror movies but just his performance and kind of getting to the root of what his character wants and why it's so important for him to get the treatment that he needs like the moment when he gets into the facility and he's able to take off his uh bubble boy outfit and he's able just to like hug his mom for the first time and whoever knows they even make the comment like oh, this is when they show him his bedroom and he's got this nice shower and everything like, oh, I bet it's been a while since you've been able to shower. And you realize like this kid's entire life is so stifled from a normal kid's experience of growing up from just being able to like hug his mother or take a shower. And you see that in the first night when he does finally get to take a shower and it's like he starts crying in the shower and you realize that, oh, this is a kid that his reality even on the outside, if he, if you're able to look past the bubble boy outfit, like he looks like a normal kid, but then at the same time, you don't realize like how much this disease affects his life and it causes obviously ripples throughout his family, which we see. Um, but yeah, I'm usually one that is willing to give kid actors a benefit of the doubt, even if they're not necessarily always the strongest. But I think in terms of just his performance in Eli specifically, uh, he does a great job because he picks up a lot of the slack that the script has. Cause I think mm. a majority of the dialogue is kind of whatever didn't yeah, really do a whole lot right. for me, but he's able to sell a lot of that emotion that doesn't really come through in terms of dialogue with other characters or other characters talking about his condition. Cause we do get a couple of those back and forth moments between his parents, Rose and Paul, who was played by Kelly Riley and uh, Max Martini. And I mean, they're kind of just there. They're kind of yeah. like stock boilerplate parents in their performances, but it really is Charlie Shotwell's emotionally charged performance that I think kind of conveys the detriment that his character is in constantly. Kind of just his his way of life is never going to be the same, and that kind of is what places the ultimate emphasis on dealing with this procedure, no matter kind of the risks that may be involved. Yeah. Um, but what did you think of his the relationship he has with his parents? Because this is kind of where the script for me begins to fall apart. Yeah, I, I thought so. Honestly, at the beginning, I thought like, for me, it came off as the dad being the nice guy. And then as the movie proceeds, he actually becomes this shitty person. Um, but their relationship, I thought, I mean, he's definitely closer with his mother um, than he is with his dad. And there's like a certain like, there's certain moments I feel like, it, it, like there's a scene when they're eating and he's like, the dad makes like a sarcastic mean joke and he kind of like looks up and he smiles. Like he has like this douchiness to him where like at the same time, it's like they both know he was joking around. Like there's certain comments that he makes where it's like, 
he's serious about what he said, but at the same time, he's like, it's a joke. And I kind of, I got that vibe of like, he's very um, control of kind of father. And like, he's like, it's my way. But at the same time, it's like jokingly, like I was just joking around, like, don't take me serious. But I don't know. I thought the relationship between the mother and, and uh, Eli was, I mean, it's a very typical mother being protective. Um, I felt like there was more of a distance between the mother obviously we find out that there's certain like i think there's like i think the mother at one point cheats on the on the father because i think they were talking about something about not being loyal um there's a scene where they're sitting in the bedroom and there's like there's like she said like some of the or the father did say something about like um i'm being loyal or faithful i think or talking about faith i think he's like i'm being faithful so i think there was there's like a disconnection there between the mother and the, and the father and then those also the scene where they're holding hands and you can see Eli walking into the um into the I guess the do- the operating room for the second time and then like as soon as the door shuts they kind of like let go of each other's hand and you can kind of see that there's like a difference um there's definitely not like something's bothering between them that they're not agreeing upon and um <clears throat> but overall I thought the the relationship between the mother and Eli was more of a mother daughter or mother son connection and the father was just very distanced to me it, it seemed like so this is something that on a rewatch because this is the second time i saw it the first time i was like this is just the whole relationship with the parents is very strange like the father he makes a lot of these jokes that you're kind of like what the yeah. hell is that about like at one point he jokes and tells eli well it's not really a joke as we learned because they can't even pay for their motel room he has to like give a guy his watch he makes a, he tells Eli in a joking manner. He's like, yeah, we had to spend all our money on your treatment in so many words. He says this and it's just like, that's a fucked thing to say to a yeah, kid. Like, how are you going to say that to your kid? And then we do kind of get that playful banter where they're having dinner and Eli's having a hard time because he begins hallucinating and starts experiencing some of the hauntings in that uh, medical facility. Uh, and he looks at the food and it looks like some kind of like veggie dish. And he's like, Oh, this looks like shit. And the dad's like, yeah, it tastes like shit too. And it's <laughs> yeah. like just little moments like that. I really like, cause it shows like a lot of levity between them. But then the dad jumps so aggressively into like, it's my way. He's very damning of everything that happens. Yeah. It's there's, we can't alter from this path. And we see that conflict come with between him and his wife. That's mm-hmm. like a big point of contention is that yeah. the more severe, the procedures are that Eli has to endure and he seemingly becomes worse and worse. The mother wants to pull away from it, but the father is very kind of steadfast and this is what we're doing and we can't uh, deter from this at any point. He even says like, do you want to leave or stay and get better to Eli? And it's one of those moments where it's like, that's a lot. That's a heavy thing to say to a kid. Like, do you just want to be a freak in a bubble suit your whole life or do you want to be able to live in the real world kind of thing? Right, yeah. Um, but that really, I want to come back to their relationship because I think when we talk about the twist, mm. it it makes more sense the way that everything is framed, right? Yeah, we yeah. don't have a full frame of reference for the relationship between not only the parents, but why the father is so steadfast, like I said, right. in his, like, we cannot deviate from the course that we're on, which mm-hmm. it's just like, the first time you watch it, it's kind of like, why? Why is yeah. it so important? Like, why do you not care about what's happening or why do you... Why are you treating these random events so calmly? Because it seems ridiculous. But I think in talking about the twist, like it makes more sense why that character is framed the way that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But in terms of like, let's get into the scares of the movie, because while I said early on, I think a lot of it is kind of like generic haunting kind of jump scares early on. I don't think that they're executed on all that badly. But what did you think of the scares? Um, yeah, they're they're good. I enjoyed it. I so I watched the trailer, and a, a good amount of them were kind of already in the trailer. So kind of oh really? Yeah, yeah. So for me, that that kind of like kind of ruined the scariness of it. But um, there was that once. There's like one scene where there's like I guess uh, a ghost is hidden in plain sight. You don't really see it, but then like he like flashes the light again and like you can see it moving in the background and it was kind of creepy but um i mean it wasn't scary scary it was kind of like creepy but i didn't find it to be super scary at all um and like even throughout the movie you kind of like just the the relationship between the ghost and eli you kind of you kind of start picking up it's like they're not here to do any damage like they want to help him and it's like things like that where it's it's kind of like I don't know. I just, it just didn't frighten me at all. Like there were certain scenes, obviously when he's in the room, the first few times it's like, Holy shit, that's kind of creepy. And like with the whole closet situation that happens. And, um, but overall I thought it, I I would say this is a pretty good movie. If you're, if you're like, it's like your first time watching a scary movie and you're not sure how you feel about scary movies. I would definitely watch this because it's like creepy, but it's not super creepy. So for starters, that's why I cannot stand trailers anymore yeah. because it shows you basically, quote unquote, the best bits of a movie. Like I didn't watch the trailer. I'd never seen the trailer. So mm-hmm. while the like you had said, those scares are kind of, they're not necessarily scary. They're more kind of just like reactionary, right? Yeah. It's all jump scares essentially. But at the same time, I think that you're right in that it is a great example of introductory horror. Like yeah. for people like you and I that have watched a lot of horror movies and we kind of are very much used to jump scares. It doesn't do a lot for us, but if you're trying to get somebody into horror, I feel like showing them a film that's jump scare heavy kind of attunes them in a certain way to becoming more comfortable within horror. And even though they are very much jump scares that are kind of generic or it's things that have been copied from other movies, I think the presentation of everything is enjoyable enough that it is a nice kind of like palette introduction to horror. Um, I did like the scene where he's in the hallway and he's got the flashlight and every time he shines it, oh, she, yeah. the ghost girl stops moving. And then when he moves it away, he can hear her chasing him down the hall. Yeah, and then, of freaky. course, yeah. she ends up right after, uh, right behind him at one point. Yeah. Um, I like those kinds of little scares. And yeah, they're not amazing. But I thought that for all the CG work that's in the movie, mm-hmm. it wasn't super like egregiously bad or anything oh, yeah. like that. Like the concept of the scare that they're going for in the scenes is again, very kind of generic, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't have this kind of like ghostly CGI effect on the dead kids. Like I thought that for a lot of movies like that, a face will jump up in the screen and then it looks like a deteriorating face with like really bad CGI. Mm -hmm. Where in this, I thought it was better than that. (laughs) You don't don't really get to see their faces at many points, like especially like, yeah, I don't think for me, what kind of like once I saw the fact that they had red glowing eyes that, that at that point, I felt like this movie's no longer scary for me. For some reason, I don't <laughs> know why I saw like the ghost had like some shiny eyes or whatever. And I was like, yeah, this is this is not scary anymore. That that's when I kind of I kind of lost the scariness for it. And I was kind of following the story of like, all right, let, trying to help the kid figure out what's going on in this building that's when it really got to me where I was like, all right, this movie's no longer a horror movie. It's more of a, let's help this kid 
get out of this place and like what is he going to do how is he going to get out of this one kind of yeah yeah and i think that they do a good job of kind of keeping that twist until the end of the movie or at least halfway where he realizes like they're not trying to hurt me and that fuels his paranoia about the facility that he's being stayed at and i mean the doctor of course that is uh behind everything which who's dr horn played by lily taylor um i like that in that for me, at least, you can guess that there's something else going on behind the scenes, but I couldn't guess the ending. I wouldn't have been able to guess the ending of the movie, yeah. right? Like, you know, something is coming that's going to be a big reveal or a twist. But I think the film did a good enough job in kind of hiding the specifics. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not one of those movies where the twist is the kid's been dead the whole movie or something like that. But it's like you realize that in the first 25, 30 minutes of the movie kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And while the ending I really enjoyed and I think that it capitalizes in a way that I wish the rest of the movie had. At the end of the day, it's not something that I think kind of justifies the first three-fourths of the movie. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it, I enjoy the ending, but at the same time, for somebody that watches, like a horror fan that watches a lot of horror movies, I don't know if I could justify sitting through the first three-fourths just for that last 15 minutes, which I thought was pretty successful at what it was trying to do for, I mean, for me, it felt like, like we talked about earlier, like I, I was kind of the opposite. I liked the fact that it was to me, it felt more natural. The fact that they went into this building where it's haunted and it's like the, the last, last half of the movie or the last part of the movie where you find the big twist. I just, for me, I couldn't like wrap my head around the fact that what, what was it that the kid has? Like, I feel like, well, is he because during during the procedures they inject him with something and it's like well are they putting this stuff on him is he like how did like i just couldn't wrap my head around whether it was like is he getting injected with something that's controlling him or like the whole time or like what is he possessed i just couldn't like i couldn't balance that out like so for me it kind of lost that that like it was more so supernatural to that point at that point that it kind of like lost interest in the ending. I like the fact that the beginning parts is like the beginning half of the movie. It's like more of a natural, like, well, it's like there's ghosts in the house. All right. What kind of ghosts are they? They're obviously most ghosts in the movies are always trying to hurt people, but then you figure out this, these ghosts are trying to help them out. And it's like, it felt to me more natural and more flowing and unlike the ending, it was just like all over the place. It was a supernatural. It was a superpowers. I just couldn't tell. I think that's fair in that the ending kind of like goes all out, balls yeah. to the wall, supernatural, which I generally, I don't really have a problem with that. I do agree that, and I guess, I guess I would be disagreeing with you about the medical procedure stuff. I liked that for so much of the movie, there's not a lot of clarity. And it kind of is that type of presentation where it's like, is this kid paranoid for the right reasons or is he just being over is he just overreacting to things that are happening and up until a certain point you don't really realize like oh is this medical procedure actually making him worse or is it helping him and we just don't realize the ways in which it's helping like yeah i like that there's that ambiguity up until a certain point because it just had me kind of questioning all the characters and ultimately questioning my own kind of hypothesis for the actual things that are occurring throughout the film. But uh, I think let's get into the twist, I guess, because yeah. after he's been doing these two procedures that have been seemingly making him worse and seeing greater and greater hallucinations and haunting moments, um, we find out that like none of the other patients that Dr. Horn has had have survived the third trial. 
And that's kind of like where the film reaches its climax. And we find out that this is not actually a medical facility. This is kind of like a a anti-demon like church facility. Kind of? Yeah, it's like an exorcism facility yeah. where, I mean, there's that small hint where we see like on the doors, they have this symbol that's just like upside down crosses. Yeah. Uh, and the nuns even have it on some of their wardrobe, I think at one point. Mm. Um, but we find out that Eli, like the past patients, is like the spawn of Satan, right. essentially. And that he's not allergic to anything. It's kind of like his demonic powers coming to a head as it were and i guess the the procedures have been trying to stop that somehow i don't really i don't think that's the part they never really explain yeah. right it's like how is taking out spinal fluid and drilling into his skull <laughs> gonna extract the devil from him like that part's a little much yeah but i just like the idea that there is this kind of like a hundred percent balls of the wall ending approach to like we're gonna go all in this is the spawn of satan it's not kind of like Oh, he made a cup move once. It's kind of like he literally is erupting in flames at yeah. one point and making others erupt into flames. Um, and I I see how that type of ending that is so 100% into the supernatural, like mm. un, it's not restrained at all. I can see how that can be a bit much for some people that don't necessarily want a supernatural yeah. uh, twist or ending. But for me, it worked in a way that I wish they had kind of referenced more throughout the movie. Yeah. I mean, for me in that sense, I wish they explained it more than like, cause for me, I felt kind of like you just got thrown into this. Oh, he's a Satan kid or something. Like he's like son of the devil or something. Unlike I just, and for me the whole time what bugged me out is like, she had this blue liquid. And like you said, they were like going through his spinal cord and like drilling his brain. And I'm like, like, why would you do like, if you were, I guess she, the, the nurse, Dr. Horn used to be a nun. So it's like, you know about this, you've had experience, why do you keep doing it? Like, there's other ways to go about it, I feel like. like at least you should have known. But like, I don't know, it was just so confusing, the fact that there was like certain liquid that could help him, but it's making him bad, like it's making him worse first and then he'll get better. But it's like, so you, he's basically showing us that she has like what is in him in a bottle. And it's like, for me, I just, it's just I just couldn't wrap my head around that idea um, of like, so they 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 have basically like, demon juice in a bottle and like they you inject the kid so he like gets more powerful or something or like yeah so there's a lot of ambiguity about those types of things and i think it's i think it just exposes kind of the faults with the script yeah. and how there's a lot of kind of things they either brush over or it's just the kind of generic setup mm -hmm. for a majority of the film and kind of just the different way that scenes play out um but I want to take it back to something you said earlier when I was asking you about the family's relationship. Mm -hmm. And in this revelation that uh, Eli is actually like the son of the devil and we find out that his parents couldn't get pregnant. So his mother stopped praying to God and said she prayed to the devil and the devil mm -hmm. gave her a baby. I think that that's what the is behind the uh, faithful comment that the right. husband makes. Like she was not only unfaithful to God, in some ways she was unfaithful to him by having another quote unquote, man's son right. when it was actually the devil's son. Um, I think that that's the root of the the friction between those two mm -hmm. characters and this idea that like they're going to be at odds because of the fact that he's basically been like cuckled by the devil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that that just gives more context to like why the father is so aggressive Yeah, because he just knows what the stakes are. And it's like, well, 
I don't want my I don't want to have a son that is possessed by the devil or is a servant of the devil. So this has to work. And the extremes, it's kind of like the ends justify the means, right? Right. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things where it's like we have to get him better, and no matter what he has to endure, even if it kills him, is justified in some way. Well, there's also that like relationship of like between the father and Eli, where it's like, well, he's not really my son, so it's like. I don't, that that, too. I think that's why he, he was so, he like forced him to basically stay. He kind of, cause he, when he gave him that option of you want to stay here and get better or, or go out there and live your life in a bubble. It's like, that's kind of like, there's only one, like one answer to that. Like there's no <laughs> right. way like he was going to go back out there. So it's like, at the same time, he doesn't feel bad because there's no connection between Eli and the father. It's like, he's kind of like, he's not my son. So I don't care. I just want to get over this whole situation. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think that's what definitely, that definitely there's that tension in the, in the relation between the, the whole family, between the father being basically on his own because the, the mother, like she birthed him, but it's not the father's son. It's the devil's son. So I think that's what kind of adds to that relationship. And that kind of speaks again to the contrast between those two characters, right? Like mm-hmm. it is her son. It's not his son. Right. And so obviously when, it comes time to make the tough decision. Like, are we going to let Dr. Horn do this third procedure that might kill him? The mother of course has an issue with that because she realizes like, Oh, I'll, I just want him to be alive and I will accept him in any way possible. Whereas the husband's like, we're going to, we're going to reel that back in. Like, I'm not going to have a son that's connected to the devil. Like that's, that's not really a sustainable way to live. Um, I don't know. I, again, like, I like the ending, how it goes full tilt, kind of just like supernatural because we get that really, creepy shot where basically we see Eli use his demonic powers in all of their kind of like hellish form where he has the nuns basically like they start levitating and then they flip upside down and they stick out their arms like crosses and then they start like levitating around the room circling them and then they all burst into flames like that's an awesome shot Mm -hmm. and I wish that we had just had more moments like that throughout the movie because for me if you're going to go in one direction like you need to stick with that the entire movie. I don't necessarily need a lot of scenes that are that like a hundred percent in terms of just like fully leaning into the demonic powers. But I think they would have been better if there were some early or more indications of that, like in the middle of the film. And I think that would have complemented this idea that the ghosts are actually trying to help him. Like when they drag him out into the airlock, they're not trying to kill him. They're trying to free him from this prison that is going to essentially kill him with this uh, procedure. And I think that that would have made the viewer question more like the reality of what's happening. And I mean, for my money, I always like movies that challenge my understanding of something rather than just kind of like being confusing. I would rather them kind of like present me with two different avenues of explanation and then it's up to me to decide like which avenue makes the most sense for me yeah i mean i also feel like so that you're just talking about like the ghosts and all that and like then there's a there's a character Haley, who she shows up she's in the outside world kind of basically she's uh eli's best friend um and she's i i don't know for me it was like I want, I always wonder like how long she, cause she, she shows up pretty frequently. She shows up uh, after his first procedure, I think, or before his first procedure. And then he shows up after the second one and he, and she was like, Oh, you look like shit. And like, she knows so much about the building. Like I wish they'd explain more about her character because she like, she knows the past um, patients and the kids. And like, I feel like there's a relationship there 
which we find out like later on that she is actually one of the demon babies also which yeah, so i was like half sister yeah so i was like i was curious as to why they never like got her or like you know i don't know maybe the nun miss uh dr horn knew that she was a demon kid or something but like i just wish they'd involve her more into it instead of her just kind of like showing up being friendly to him in that sense yeah her character feels kind of shoehorned in. Yeah. If I'm being honest, like, and Haley's played by Sadie Sink, who's uh, of Game of Thrones season three uh, notoriety. But uh, yeah, I mean, she has all this information that she hasn't let on to. So we can't assume that she used to be a patient there. Like, right. I what I would assume is that she's summoned there because she can summon one of her brothers that's mm. in this prison. And like, she starts giving him all of these different tidbits that she's learned from the past three patients that were also half siblings that died. Um, and they were relaying information, I guess, but yeah, she kind of just like gives very vague exposition and the idea that she never reveals it, like what's actually going on or who he actually is. Like I never really understood why she didn't come out and say it. Right. Because if she just comes out and says it, then he's more inclined to do what she wants, which is to escape. So they can, I don't know, be together and do like demonic shit that demonic kids do. Like it's never really explained why she is so she's not forthcoming with anything. Really. She kind of just like gives him these vague hints at what could be happening and warnings without actually explaining anything. Right. I feel like, I don't know, maybe like had she told him like, listen, you might have some crazy superpower kind of thing. It's like, well, I wonder where the movie would have gone from there had he known earlier that he has these superpowers because he doesn't know he has superpowers. He just knows he can't go out in in the world like a normal kid. Um, right. But yeah, I wish they'd involved her more. Like, I don't know. I wish or I wish we would have gone like a little backstory because it could have it could have probably helped out the movie more. Um, explain what really is happening. And like, if is there a town where all these kids live? Like, how does she get away and stuff like that? Her character is not utilized to the best of its ability and yeah. plus if she had been introduced earlier on and she starts revealing things then he would have like maybe tried to experiment with his powers mm -hmm. instead of this idea of like they kept returning to the well with these kind of jump ghost jump scares which again they're fairly generic and but at the same time they're not terrible mm -hmm. but i would have just preferred one less of those jump scare moments and one instance of him either having some kind of like crazy demonic dream yeah. The more that he starts to embrace his powers or an example of him using his powers without his knowledge, yeah. right? So I think little moments like that would have probably helped to overall give the viewer more to work with when trying to kind of decipher what is actually happening. I think that that would have definitely been a better route to go just in terms of like giving more variety because overall, I think the movie's very one note. Yeah. And that's probably why I like the finale so much is that leading up to it, the whole film, like you could describe it in a sentence and basically whatever you assume off of that one sentence description, like that's what you get. Yeah. And it doesn't deviate from that much in either a creative or a way that we haven't seen before in kind of like standard mass consumption uh, horror films mm -hmm. or haunting films rather. Yeah. I mean, to your point, I guess I would say like, had we found that the kid had some sort of superpower, I feel like it could have, it could have kind of killed off the plot twist though to be honest, at least for me, like had we known earlier that he has some sort of superpower, like we would know why he's in there. And I feel like they could have, um, they could have kind of figured out like, Oh, this is not like an, an actual hospital. Like they're trying to 
like there's some kind of laboratory kind of thing. So it was, I don't know. I'm kind of, I guess I'm kind of glad in that sense that they, now that I think about it, they, they kept that to the end because if he'd known, he probably could have just killed everybody off in that hospital, like fairly quickly. If he was aware of the, his superpowers and stuff, mm-hmm. um, I feel like that, that hospital scene would not have made it too far. That's a fair point. And based on kind of like the script that we got, I, I would not assume that the writers would give us a creative way to introduce those powers early on where we don't immediately kind of suss out the overall spoiler or the overall twist of the movie, right? Like I wish that I would have liked, I mean, this is like my fantasy scenario where they're able to implement some type of instance of him using his power. And yet it's something that we can kind of like discredit to a certain degree where Mm -hmm. it's like, it's in question rather it's in question whether he's actually doing that or if this is the result of a haunting, something like that. Um, Yeah. I just, based on kind of like what we got and the kind of like heavily cliched dialogue and things like that, like the movie begins with this small child being bullied by like a bunch of adults, which is just like, (laughs) uh, okay, okay, let's, let's fall back a little bit. Like it's a little, uh, a little heavy handed to try to stress the fact that like, the kid is different and it's like, yeah, no shit. He's wearing like an anti-contamination suit. Like he's, yeah, he's wearing a hazmat suit. Like, yeah, clearly people are not going to treat him nicely. But this idea that like you have to have the drunk as shit, like adults that are hanging out in the motel parking lot, like throw beer at him. It's just like, it came on a little heavy handed. I feel like maybe, maybe in that scene where he does get bullied and he gets very angry, had they shown like some sort of like, either like the earth shaking kind of or something like mm-hmm. kind of like crazy that like very slightly we could have yeah. kind of, they could have kind of just hit thrown it out there that he has some sort of power but not it you can't really tell that it's, it's on him or something like that i think that would have been kind of cool to see though yeah like when he that gets would, angry that, yeah that's a fantastic point and i think that's an example of if the writers were able to develop a sort of subtle little instance of something strange happening but yeah. then immediately provide an explanation for it right. or something, something, some type of causality that would cause, that would explain why that just happened. And I think early on, cause then that plants the seed of doubt, right? Is he actually sick or is, does he have some sort of powers that right. are being masked as a sickness, which obviously is what ends up happening in the movie. And I mean, the film itself, like it's not that complicated of a plot, right? No, it's no. like he's sick and it ends up, he's not actually sick. He actually has powers. It's like, it's only going to go one of two ways. So the kind of mass secrecy for the first half of the film, I think comes off as being a little unnecessary because again, like watching this movie, the first 15 minutes, you can only think one of two things are going to happen, right? Right. Like either it is supernatural or this is some type of psychological movie where like his mind plays tricks on him or something like that. Like there's not too much wiggle room between that. And there shouldn't be because it doesn't present itself as it being anything other than that. So the the deviation from that example that you gave, I feel like it seems like such a no brainer. Yeah, that it's a strange decision not to uh, not to include that. I could not now that you bring that up, the psychological part. It kind of seemed to me like his his breakout is psychological because like at one point, like he finds out he can walk outside and he doesn't get like he doesn't get like a breakout and he's not like he's shorter of breath. I don't know if that, if that has to do anything with the treatment or is it that he, he just realized like, Oh, it's just like all in my head that I was dying. Like, I, I wish, I don't know if they, I don't know if they explained it. At least I didn't, I didn't catch up. I didn't pick up on that. 
so they never explain it, but I think it's true that it, to your point, like we're shown rather than told. Like yeah. when he's running through the field at the beginning of the movie, and he has that allergic reaction, or he has the rea- what seems like an allergic reaction. That's a dream, right? right? That's not real. So we have only seen him start to break out when he's stressed, and yeah. we see that when he's having the procedures as well. Not only when the bullies are uh, bullying him, right. but when he's having the procedures done, no matter what they do to him, that causes some type of small reaction. Like they start drilling into his, it's not small, I guess, but <laughs> they're doing these surgeries yeah. on a demon child, but we don't know he's a demon yet. But he starts to break out and act aggressive because yeah. whatever the possession or whatever that's inside of him re- realizes what's happening, he starts becoming stressed and aggressive and it starts having a breakout like that. Mm. Um, so we're shown rather than told. Right. But I mean- Again, for to your point, showing something that was a little more on the nose, I think would have actually helped this just kind of push yeah. the story in a direction that is not so terribly generic um, yeah. in a lot of ways. Also, there was one there was one scene that I watched that it's still like it's such a out of place scene that it makes no sense within the movie where he sees. I think it's the second or third time he sees writing on the mirror in the fog or in his yeah. bedroom window. And he tries to run out of bed and he gets like clotheslined by the IV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that this yeah. I mean, this is the second time I've seen this movie and I was like, that adds absolutely nothing to the film. Yeah. I don't it was just one of those little moments where I was just like he this doesn't complement anything right. that's happening. It doesn't affect anything. So it's one of those moments where it's like why would you even include that in the movie? Right. I, I don't know. It was just a weird, that's like a, a mini rant uh, of mine. <laughs> but I mean, I was just thinking like, is this supposed to be a laugh? Whereas the rest of the movie has had like almost no humor in it. Yeah. But then at the same time, if it is supposed to be for humor, it's like, what's the purpose of that? Right. You're trying to make a horror um, movie. How would you throw a humor in there? Like, right. Yeah. That was, now that I think about it, that's a weird scene. Cause like, He's just running and the pole just kind of stops him from going anywhere. Like, right. I'm pretty sure he's heavier than that pole and he would drag that. Like, also like the IV. Yeah. I Oof. mean, IVs, it's taped onto you. It's not yeah. like fused to your skin. Right. So it was kind of like, what is the purpose of that scene? Right. But I don't know. That That's a, that's a brief aside <laughs> of mine. But uh, I did find some interesting facts about the movie that uh, I'd like to share real quick before yeah. we wrap up. Um, so three of Dr. Horn's previous patients are all named after characters from famous horror movies. Oh, really? So, yeah. So one of the patients is Perry Hobbs, who's named after Detective Hobbs in a movie called The Fallen, which came out in 98. Uh, Agnes Thorne is named after Damien Thorne, who's in the original Omen movie, which came out in 76. And then Lucius Woodhouse is named after Rosemary Woodhouse in uh, that classic possession movie which is very similar to this, uh, Rosemary's Baby, which came out in 68. Oh, shit. Um, so that was something interesting that I didn't realize at all. That kind of ties is, it all up then. All yeah, like demon just, babies, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It kind of It speaks to overall kind of just the concept, the core concept of what they're trying to communicate right. to the audience. But uh, early on, there's a billboard when they're leaving the motel that's for Proverbs 19.9 and this is not, it's not very subtle. Yeah. This, but I thought it was interesting that it says like the false witness will not go unpunished and he who tells lies shall perish. Um, so uh, that's not yeah. a very subtle kind of foreshadowing to what's happening, but it was one of those things where I feel like I noticed it, but 
the actual film does not give you enough time to actually read it. Right. I like had to pause the screen uh, to actually yeah, like see what it I said. I definitely missed that part. Oh. Yeah, it's, I didn't, yeah. It was one of those things where like, yeah, it's for it's very blatant foreshadowing that's not cle- very cleverly implemented, yeah. but at the same time they took enough time to film and include that and yet I had to pause it to like fully right. read it. They should have just it, zoomed in and kind of paused it there so you can kind of read it. Yeah. Well, it makes sense because like later on in the movie you find that the ghost starts writing lie because his name backwards mm-hmm. is lie. So there's kind of like a little connection there, but Yeah. And one of the things that I picked up that I found early on that is an indication that he is the son of the devil is when one of the nurses is weighing him. Mm. She says that his uh his weight is sesenta y seis. Yeah. Six hundred and it's like yeah, 666. So it's like thus implying his true identity is yeah. the son of the devil. Like right. little moments like that. And I was, <laughs> it's one of those things where I was like, why did she say in Spanish when none of the other people spoke Spanish? <laughs> right. And I was, and then Eli has that fucking weird reaction where he hears her speak Spanish. And he's like, where are you from? Like, right. That was such a like aggressive, weird thing for a kid to say because yeah. it has no bearing on the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. That was one of those little moments where I was just like, again, it's not very subtle. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of those things where it's like a little more subtlety probably would have helped gone a long way. Right. But uh, the last thing was I was surprised to see this movie cost $11 million to make. What? Which, considering it's a haunting movie and there have been countless other haunting movies that I think are light years better than this one, mm-hmm. such as like Sinister, Insidious, Lights Out. The Babadook, all of those movies were made for less than $10 million. Oh, wow. So the idea that Eli, which has almost no special effects in it other than kind of like the brief scares we talked about and yeah. that very CGI heavy last shot, I don't understand where the $11 million budget came from. Like maybe just because it's a Netflix movie and Netflix is uh, like, hey, a couple of you guys are well known in horror. Why don't we throw you a bunch of money? Because otherwise- right. What about this movie could have cost $11 million right. to make? That's what I was thinking because there's not really any big name cast um, person. I mean, other than right. uh, Sydney, the, the girl that plays Haley and Dr. Horn, yeah. those mm-hmm. are the only two people that I actually recognize out of all of them. And other yeah. than that, that was it. That's I mean, Eli, Rose, and Paul, like they're all established actors. But again, like you said, they're not kind of like, they're not on the level of like Sadie Sink or even Lily Taylor, who's right. in The Conjuring. So the idea that, and it's such a like low, low scope in yeah. terms of, or not low scope, but it's just so refined to essentially five characters in one location. Mm-hmm. But again, like not that much happens in terms of like requiring yeah. a massive special effects budget for what we got, because there's only a handful of scares in the whole movie. Right. And a majority of them are like CGI. And so, and they're not even that kind of like technically advanced moments of CGI. Like it's, he sees a ghost kid when he shines a flashlight on it. That's like three of the scares in the movie. And yeah. it's like, there's no way that those were super expensive. Maybe right. the finale where you've got those bodies floating upside down like crosses on fire. Yeah. But there's nothing about this movie that I was like, oh yeah, that that probably cost 10 or $11 million to make. Now that I think about it, the scene where the dad gets his face dented and that was kind of a wild scene. I was not expecting it. I, was not I forgot that, that moment. Yeah. His face just kind of like gets pushed in. I was like, Jesus. That was yeah. probably the most aggressive part of the whole movie, I'd say. Other than the surgery parts, that was kind of gross. But I've completely forgot about that movie. Yeah. But yeah, that was 
I wish they'd lingered on that a little more or we had seen more instances of little things like that. Yeah. Like, I would have liked to have seen, again, again, this comes back to this idea that like, oh, there's something else going on. It's not, you can't take what's being presented at face value, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe like one of the nurses when they're doing surgery on him, they have an accident where they lose a digit or something like yeah. that. And there's something that affects them right. because I find it hard to believe that like the devil or the, whatever's possessing him isn't going to allow these people to like cut into him and right. take pieces out of him, like taking out spinal fluid, drilling yeah. into his brain, Ugh. all these little things where it's like, really the devil or the demonic possession inside of him is going to let somebody do that to him. Like right. that doesn't seem like something that would happen, but right. Yeah. It would, it would have been nice to see some kind of defense mechanism that like kind of triggers something crazy to happen or like the light could have been flashing or some, some kind of, where it's like you kind of question, is, is he, does he have like superpowers? What's going on? Is it is it because of the procedure or like what? Yeah, yeah, that would have been kind of cool. Little little subtle hints like that. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think Eli suffers from not enough variety mm-hmm. in terms of, I mean, almost anything. Like the script, I was I was looking online. The script is written by three different people, and oh, it's just like it's such a simplistic boilerplate premise which i think is fine like there's nothing wrong with that just making something more complex doesn't necessarily make it better yeah but it's like when you have such a simplistic concept i feel like you need to flesh out the characters and give them more dialogue Mm -hmm. in a way or present like we've been talking about a lot the kind of little unique tidbits that throw you off the kind of path that's presented yeah not enough that it reveals the spoiler early on but enough that it makes you question things and start to think about a simplistic premise in more complex ways. Cause then I think even if you get a simplistic answer, like you still find that you're more engaged with what you're watching. Right. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. Like, like you were saying, like if they had subtle hints of him having some kind of superpower or some kind of like power of something, I, I think it would have kind of rolled right into the ending perfectly. Uh, for me, I, for me, I felt like the beginning was more of a haunted, scary movie uh, typical and then it just kind of jumps into him having superpower demon things which kind of i think had they subtly moved into where we see subtle hints of him being upset and there's like things shaking or something like that that could have kind of easily transitioned into him having superpowers that would have probably flown better for me and i probably would have enjoyed the ending a lot better yeah it's not very it doesn't build gradually right yeah, it's kind yeah. of like it kind of just comes in like a freight train where it's introduced right. like he has powers and oh yeah, he can set people on fire and make them float. But yeah, uh, yeah I think I was, I'm not that keen on this movie, but I definitely see it as being one of those kind of introductory to horror movies, mm-hmm. right? Like people yeah. that usually don't watch horror, they're like, oh, hey, when, I mean, when this was released, it was probably in the Netflix top 10 or whatever, yeah. but it would be one of those movies where it's like, oh, let's see what that's about. And maybe this is one of those movies that could be used to like scaffold people into watching other horror movies. So yeah. in that regard- I appreciate it being very approachable and I appreciate it having for, at least I thought like, and I liked the ending yeah, and the originality of it and just like how explosive it is at times. Mm-hmm. Even if the rest of the movie, I feel like could have used a lot more work, but uh, this was definitely a, uh, a fun one to talk about. I like it when we have, it's not always just us or me and other <laughs> guests kind of like appreciating a movie for the same thing. So it's nice to kind of have a slightly conflicting opinions on a movie, but uh, I appreciate you being on as always, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to daily horror habit on your preferred streaming service and follow at daily horror habit on Instagram and at daily horror pod on Twitter.